Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm Adam Blattenberg from Diesel World. Hi, this is Dan, owner of Dan's Diesel Performance. I'm Christian Roth of BD Diesel. I'm Braden Fleece, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today's episode is going to be really cool. I've got Zach from EV Resource. He hosts a podcast where he talks about electric vehicles, new models, performance, trends, things that are going on in the electric vehicle market. And him and I were chatting, and we wanted to have a, a really insightful podcast and discussion about electric vehicles, where they're at now, the future of them and how diesel and a little bit of gas, how it's all fitting together or could fit together into transportation in the future. And there's some questions I'm going to ask him that came directly from our audience on Discord. So I want to invite you guys, if you're not on our Discord channel, you're going to find a link down below. You got to join. It's completely free. There's a ton of sections that are open. Um, you can just jump in, start showing off your truck, ask questions, suggest episodes. There is a section there as well for our Patreon subscribers, which you unlock when you become a, a Patreon member. So if you're looking to be even more involved in the podcast, have your truck be part of the cover or, you know, be able to support us, chat with myself, be a producer for an episode. There's a lot of cool ways. Both those links are, are going to be down below for you. But uh, yeah, Zach and I are going to have a, a conversation about performance, being a vehicle enthusiast and really what the, what the future is holding. And we wanted to keep politics aside and just have an intellectual you know, discussion about this and see, see where things are headed. So I'm going to be learning a lot. I don't know a lot about electric vehicles, a lot about the technology or the infrastructure that's there, but it's going to be a a fun podcast. Before we get to it, I want to encourage you guys to go to WCFab.com. Really Custom Fabrications, a, a a valued sponsor of the podcast. We really enjoy seeing what they produce. If you don't follow them on Instagram, you need to go and, and click follow. They You're able to see a lot of behind-the-scenes things. They're, they've got a new building that they're working on. You can see products, how they powder coat them, the different things that they're working on, cool builds that they have. They just did an L5P swap on, on one of their company trucks. It's really awesome, so make sure that you check them out. One of the really cool things about doing podcasts with you guys is being able to hear and see all the products that we, you know, we talk about on the podcast, you guys have them on your truck. And one of the things I always hear from WC Fab owners is just how well they fit and how much they appreciate the performance or what they were trying to do with that particular upgrade. So they have a stellar reputation in the market. I encourage you to go to their website, check out what they have. If you have any questions, reach out to them, and they're more than happy to chat with you. If you're a shop owner out there, somebody calls you and wants a WC Fab part, or you just want to be able to offer it you know, for install in, in your bays or just a, a part that you could ship out to somebody, make sure and go to turn14.com, check out what they have. If you're not set up with them, they make it really easy to order parts. Just being able to log on, see what's in stock, when you can have it, what warehouse it ships out of. If you have questions, you have a dedicated account manager that specializes in diesel. So they're gonna know the brands that you're talking about, the part you're, that you're talking about, and be able to help you get those parts into your shop. All right, let's get to the podcast with Zach and chatting about the future of electric and diesel and how it could all mesh together. Zach, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. Today's our, our uh, 
it's a really interesting episode we're going to be doing chatting about electric vehicles and diesel how it all works together and it was really cool i, I found you i think i was doing a search um on google for like the top electric vehicle podcast you were on there and i went to your instagram it was really cool so we're going to have a, a really spirited conversation today there's a lot that i don't know about electric vehicles it's going to be really fun to learn from you ask some questions from our audience and just learn more about this new this uh i wouldn't even call it a trend i think it's really the future of what you know automotive and, and traveling is going to be so it's gonna be a great conversation well thank you very much for having me on it's gonna uh, i've been looking forward to this actually so it's a pleasure to be here me too i've been thinking about it a, a lot since we had originally chatted and i thought well what questions am i gonna ask what do i want to know you know i i don't know a ton about electric vehicles other than you know, I keep hearing about them. I keep seeing new models. I see you know, the big three are, are making a push in the future towards them. I'm a performance enthusiast at heart. So I see these torque numbers and acceleration numbers and I get excited. Um, but I wanted to start with a little bit about, you know, your background with being an automotive enthusiast and how, you know, what your journey was to be able to you know, do a show and a podcast and everything about electric vehicles. How did you, how did you get to this point? Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's been an interesting journey, actually, looking back on it. It's kind of like, oh, okay, that that was weird. Um, and I'll explain that in a second. So I, as a teenager, my older brother, he came home from college one time, and, and he knew so much about cars. And I was like, how did you learn all this? And he really introduced me to like a uh, sport compact car and these tuning magazines back in the 90s and all of that and early 2000s. And I just fell in love with cars and going fast and like i'd go down to the drag strip and just that the smell of the burning tires and the fuel and all of that i love it love every bit of it uh, i ended up going to school to learn how to work on my first car which was an 88 toyota super turbo that broke or i broke it uh all the time <laughs> so i said you know what i need to learn how to fix this so i went through the toyota technical education network got an associate's degree of, of applied science and automotive technology and learned that I love working my own cars, hated working on everybody else's. So it wasn't a career move, but it was great to have that knowledge. And very early on, I had decided that everything I was going to do for work was either gonna be on a car, in a car, for a car, uh, because like it just, it was so central to my being and always has been. Um, you know, I've been very, very passionate about performance going fast. Uh, I actually worked for Anderson Walco Racing a little bit when I worked down uh, in Florida when I lived there. Uh, so it's it's very much running through my blood. And when I moved up here and I got a new job, um, oh, actually, I, I did, I was telling you, I did have a 2004 uh, Dodge Ram 2500 uh, turbo <laughs> diesel that was just one of the best vehicles I've ever had. I mean, I really loved it. Um, but I got a new job and I, I needed to travel a lot more and I ended up getting a base model Honda Civic. So you can imagine the shock that I went through, <laughs> you know, yeah. going from one to the other. And I was bored. You know, this thing made 105 horsepower and I mean, it was a manual, thankfully, um, but I was bored out of my mind. And I said, OK, I need a way to have fun without really modifying this car to go faster because of course then reliability would be an issue and i needed reliable transportation so once again actually my brother suggested making a game out of getting better gas mileage and let me tell you that took me down a road i never anticipated where <laughs> i actually modified the car to the point 
aerodynamics uh, removed the all the belts. So the only thing the engine was doing was actually running the wheels. I built my own battery pack in the trunk to run all the electronics. Um, it got over 80 miles to the gallon on the highway. Wow. Yeah, like just, <laughs> I had fun. It was a great build. Every dollar I put into it, I saved like two. So, I mean, how often does that ever happen? Yeah, never happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then uh, I... We were looking at um, replacing that, getting a car for my wife because she did a lot of food delivery. And I was like, you know what? Let's look at an electric car because, I mean, the cost of operating is like a, a penny per mile. I mean, it's next to nothing. And so we ended up buying a 2016 Chevy Spark EV two and a half years ago. And I knew a lot about EVs. I mean, I'm, I'm a technical person. I do my research. I want to know what I'm getting into. But even then, I didn't realize how much I didn't know. You know, there was so much that the first month of owning that car that I was like, oh, okay, that would have been good to know. I mean, it didn't really change my mind about it, um, but it definitely was was eye-opening. So that's actually how I started EV resource, you know, in the podcast and the originally it was just supposed to be a web page that people could get information on. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be all this other stuff. And now it's just evolved so much. Um, and EVs have really become a passion because uh, primarily the money savings, you know, the, from the financial aspect, they really over the life of the car can save people a lot of money. Um, but ultimately it's a new and exciting technology that outperforms anything else um, for the most part. There are obviously some gaps. Uh, <laughs> there are definitely some areas that uh, will be improved. You know, I, I have full confidence that, you know, over the coming decades that we will see uh, the niche needs taken, you know, uh, EVs will fill that. Right now, they're primarily targeting, you know, the majority of people, like 80% of the people, because most people don't drive more than 39 miles a day. That's their commute to and from work, maybe going around getting groceries. Um, so it's, it's interesting. People think they need, uh, you know, a 700 mile car. That's a lot of batteries to be, you know, and therefore weight to be hauling around with you all the time. So I think we'll see those vehicles, but that's not going to be the majority that are on the road. That's a really good insight because a lot of, you know, when I was preparing for this podcast and we have a, a discord channel where a lot of the podcast fans are on there and I said, Hey, I'm going to do an episode, you know, chatting with a podcast host that, um, you know, specializes in EVs and we're going to just chat about the future of that and diesel and all these things. And they approached it from a different angle of, well, how can I, I need to go farther than 250 to 300 miles or, um, how am I going to, you know, travel from state to state to state? And, I was thinking about that and then I was doing a little bit of research on the Ford F-150, the, the lightning, the electric one that they have. And they were saying, you know, like three quarters of their, of the F-150 owners aren't going to exceed that range of that electric vehicle in a week. And, you know, it, it started to get me to think about how much do we really commute and how, how does this electric vehicle trend? fit into you know everybody's everyday life and it was really insightful what you just said about how it is right now it, it's not like it's completely finalized it's reached the peak of oh, its no. tech you yes. know technology and everything it's still very new but it's exciting you know when i think back to what was an electric vehicle i don't know when they first came out or hit the market but they didn't really appeal to me like visually they didn't really they really capture my attention and then you know i've started to see more teslas on the road and i'm like that's a really nice car like i like the lines of it 
Um, I don't hear anything, but I they look quick. I mean, they accelerate pretty fast, and it started to get those wheels spinning as far as you know performance or just excitement at driving something. We all want that, no matter whether we drive a pickup truck or a car or whatever it might be. We we like the thrill of acceleration. We like the performance or the handling or just different parts of it. It's that driving experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that theme parks exist. People love the thrill of a roller coaster. Um, so why not have that in your garage too? You know, I mean, it's it, it's one of those things. And of course, uh, the fastest accelerating production vehicle in the world right now is electric. And you can get that for less than $150,000 to be able to run low nines in the quarter, zero to 60 in roughly two seconds or so, depending on whether you're counting the one foot rollout or not. <laughs> I mean, it's it's insane. The, yeah. the power that you can get, the performance for so little money, you used to have to spend millions of dollars to have a vehicle that stock would be able to perform like that. Now, of course, you can modify something, um, but then are you going to be able to daily drive that or, you know, pick up the kids and go to swim practice in yeah. a car that's got a thousand horsepower? I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's insane to think of how far we've come just in the last decade. Uh, but I mean, honestly, the way I see EVs fitting into the future for most likely the majority of your listeners is not to replace anything but an addition you know because if you're running your groceries or you're commuting to and from work why not do all of that with an electric car and then save you know the truck for when you need it or yeah. if you're driving 700 miles in a week or whatever you know i mean there's there's going to be those occasions where you know what you'd probably find that uh, a lot of people would save a decent amount of money even even to the point where it would pay for the car itself just because you're not spending all the money on maintenance and fuel for the other vehicles and then save them preserve them keep them in better shape you know don't put all the miles on a car that you love put it on an ev that with the the they don't have as many parts to break you know there's very little maintenance in two and a half years the only money i've put into my car has been front tires and washer fluid wow. <laughs> i mean it's 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 insane that's a really good, a really good topic. I, I definitely like to learn more about is as far as the maintenance costs, because that, that was kind of one of the questions that, that somebody had asked me, um, you know, for this episode was, you know, they're, they're used to the oil changes and this is whether it's gas or diesel, they're used to oil changes or used to all these different things that you just got to do, you know, per year. But as far as, you know, having a daily driver commuter, is there sort of an average that you could point to and say, this is going to be your average maintenance costs per year for this vehicle and not taking into account necessarily charging it or maybe you can you know what it what it would cost to to charge a vehicle you know per week to commute it i think that that's really important too i think to have you know our audience understand how this is all fitting together in the future of automobiles is so um, in terms of uh fueling and maintenance and repairs yeah uh not the vehicle cost itself you know, taking out the payment or insurance, things like that, but just the operating costs. Typically what I'll tell people is to calculate half a cent to one and a half cents per mile. And that's what you can expect from an EV in terms of operating costs. So if you drive, you know, 50,000 miles, we'll call it what, 50 bucks? Uh, is that one cent per mile? I don't know, I'm doing the math <laughs> off the top of my head. Somebody with a calculator, correct me if I'm if I'm off, but uh, even if it was $500, I mean, it's it's, pennies compared to uh, any vehicle that uses an internal combustion engine. So um, 
yeah, you know, for people that need the sound and the smell of a car in order to consider it to be a fun experience, well, great. Um, Then keep that. I don't really experience the fun when I'm sitting in rush hour traffic. So for me, it's better to have a car that's just smooth, quiet, doesn't vibrate. So I'm not exhausted at the end of, uh, you know, a road trip or something like that. (laughs) Um, The strangest uh, and I I've known that EVs are better for road trips in terms of how you as a human being feel by the end of it. But I I only experienced that recently. Uh, I rented a Tesla Model S off of Turo of all places. So somebody else's car that I just, you know, rented it and drove from Virginia to Florida and back. And I drove overnight to get down to Florida. And I just took little cat naps while the car was charging. I didn't sleep, just took little naps. I got to Florida in the morning and I was wide awake. I felt rested, not tired at all. You know, when you go on a long road trip, typically you just, your whole body kind of aches and you just feel sore. And I didn't feel that at all. It was very, I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it, even though, you know, in my head, I knew that people had that kind of experience, but for me, it was the best road trip experience I've had in my life, even though, yes, I had to stop six times to charge the car because it was older as a 2015. So uh, it didn't go quite as far as the cars do now. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely very interesting. What do you find when you're traveling as far as the availability of being able to charge a vehicle? Like, are there places or resources you can go to ahead of time so you know exactly what your stops are going to be and how much time's involved in the charge? Absolutely. Yeah, older cars, uh, unfortunately, don't have it built in unless it's a Tesla and they they are just I'll set them aside (laughs) temporarily. Um, And I like to set Tesla aside a lot because people don't realize there's so many other options. Um, The older vehicles do not have the chargers built into like the navigation. So when you enter in your destination, it it will tell you where you need to stop. Newer EVs like the um, the Mach-E, the Ford uh, SUV that has it in there, the Porsche Taycan, all of the Teslas, those are going to have that built in. Um, for me with my car, if I'm going on a longer trip, I use an app called plug share and it's basically an open source, although it was just recently bought by a charging network. So we'll see what happens, but, uh, it has been open source where people can, uh, report a charging station and also users can rate the charging station based on if it's working or how well it's working. Um, so that's really good because you have a trip planner built into that where you can actually plan out your trip based on the car that you're driving and weather conditions and kind of, if it's winter, obviously you're not going to have the same range. So you can actually scale that back and set it however you want. Um, Tesla's, they make it so easy. I mean, honestly, it's it's insane where you just put in your destination and it will tell you every stop along the way, what your percentage of battery when you get there and when you leave, what time it expects that you'll be there. It's They've really designed all of the thinking into the, the computer on the car. I mean, they made it super easy. So if you were to ask me, the best road trip vehicle is going to be a Tesla Model S. Um, they just, they, it makes it easy. Absolutely. I mean, that's really just the, 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 the best part of that. It makes it 
absolutely easy. Now, can you refill in five minutes? No, but honestly, on a road trip, if you've been driving for a couple hours, do you only want to rest for five minutes before you're back out on the road again? No, I'm usually, uh, <laughs> you know, or or if you have kids with you, there's no chance that you're you're stopped for less than thirty minutes because. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I won't get into the kids, but I've got three. So I know like, you know, it's, it, I mean, you're looking at hour long stops, no matter what car you're in. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, um, it's getting there. I think the biggest thing that we need for um, just EV charging and the infrastructure aside from faster and more fast chargers um we need signage because there are tens of thousands of fast chargers littered all across every major interstate in the US the exception being like Montana is kind of sparse like North Dakota um but pretty much everywhere else like if you're going on the east coast up and down I95 or the west coast up and down 5 um or across on like I70 or the southern route route 10 they're all over the place people have no idea you yeah. know if you're not looking for them, if you aren't thinking about it, you're never going to really see them because they're in the parking lot of Walmart. <laughs> they're not at the gas station on the corner. Uh, they're where people are going to be shopping or eating. Um, there's a Here in Richmond, there's a fast charger on the third floor of a parking deck where there's a gym. Well, if, if you don't know that, you're never going to know that. And yeah. there's no signs like on the interstate, there's a sign for fueling stations, you know, which ones and how far they are off mm -hmm. the interstate. If we had just basic signage telling people where the EV chargers were, even if you don't have an EV, then it starts to get in your head. Oh, okay. I'm fine. It's there. People don't know that. So they don't see it. So then they go, well, there aren't enough or there, where am I going to charge? Once you are an EV owner, that question quickly evaporates because they are, for the most part, all over the place. If you live in an urban area, there's going to be fast chargers all around you. If you're in the middle of the country or the north middle, like I was mentioning, there's some work to be done there. But also, there aren't as many people there either. That's a really good point because when I think of, I've thought about that a lot, is I don't know where any charging stations are around me. And I live <clears throat> I live in Denver, which is a pretty big city. I don't, I can't remember ever seeing one. Because I, I don't know that it's there. I don't see, you know, if I'm on I-70 through the mountains, it'll tell me, oh, this exit go, you know, two miles down and half a mile, there's, you know, a gas station. Okay, I know where I can stop or all sure. these things. So it's just the, the education of it. And you'd mentioned infrastructure, and that was a question that one of our listeners had asked. And I think, I mean, to step back for a second, I think what a diesel enthusiast feels is that it's an either or proposition. It's either... Everybody drives electric. That's the future. That's all that's going to be on the roads. Your diesel trucks are going to go to the junkyard. You're never going to have them again. And I think from what, you know, our conversation so far, it's kind of a middle ground. It's not so much an either or. It's just there's different uses that vehicles are going to have. But one of the, the concerns they had was how can the United States or when could it achieve the infrastructure with our power grid, with everything to be able to support hundred million vehicles plugged in or 200 million or whatever, you know, sort of number of these vehicles in the future will be out there. Can we get there as fast as the OEMs are building the cars and they're going to offer them for sale? I think that, and I'm not sure if you have the answer to that is a pretty big question and it's a lot of forecasting. And I don't even know if the government knows how to answer <laughs> yeah. that question. Honestly, but, if anybody tells you that they know for sure, they're full of it. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, you know, there, nobody really knows. Um, now we can look to Europe in many ways because they're easily five to 10 years ahead um, of where we are here in North America. Um, that transition is not going to happen as quickly as, for example, the U.S. government would like to see it um, or California uh, would like to see it. It's just it's not possible to do that. I mean, there's a hundred million vehicles sold every year. And right now, 2% of them are electric. You're not going to transition to a hundred percent of, of those vehicles being sold in less than 10 years. You know, it's just not, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't see how that's even possible. Uh, But to, to answer your question about the grid that needs to evolve and grow as well. Um, And luckily because that transition to electrified transportation isn't going to happen quickly. We've got time to build and grow. We're in a weird kind of uh, stage of the process right now where honestly, for the next five to 10 years, it's going to be awkward because most likely there will be too many EVs on the road for the chargers that exist. Right now, fast charging networks, it's not a profitable business. There isn't enough people using them. So you don't have a lot of private companies entering into that space to fill the eventual need. They don't have the money and the cash reserves to just wait it out where the largest networks, EVgo or Electrify America, they have been formed with, I mean, Electrify America was formed because of the Dieselgate scandal. I shouldn't say that, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, Volkswagen's uh, taboo where they were cheating. Um, they put in a lot of money to form Electrify America. So they can wait it out until it becomes a profitable business model. They put in $2 billion into that and they're going out to try to find another billion dollars to help continue to build it out. So until it's profitable, there's going to be a few years where we have too many EVs for the chargers that are available when it comes to fast chargers. That being said, the majority of people are going to charge at home. They're going to plug in overnight. And honestly, if you've got a a 300 mile range car, but you drive, let's call it 60 or a hundred miles a day, you don't have to plug in every day. You can plug in every other day or some people I know even now plug in once a week. Um, They can do that. Just like you figure out how often you need to buy gas. You can do the same with charging. And by charging at home, you've got a few benefits that you wouldn't have if you relied only on fast charging. If you've got solar, you can charge based on the energy that you yourself are generating. I mean, nothing is better for energy independence than putting a power plant on your roof that you can then drive your car by using that energy. Um, I mean, to me, that's the American dream, complete energy independence. You're not relying on foreign oil or anybody else to give you what you need to get from A to B. But outside of that, a lot of the uh, energy 
providers, like here in Virginia, we have Dominion Energy. They're putting out different tariffs to encourage people to charge at different times. So you're not charging right when you get home when everybody's running the electric range or cranking the AC when they get off of work or whatever else. They want you to charge electric vehicles off peak towards the middle of the night, between midnight and 6 a.m. So, you know, that will, the impact to the grid won't be as dramatic as a lot of people think because we're not going to be charging all at the same time. Some people will charge at work during the day. Some people will charge overnight at home. Um, some people won't, and they'll only use fast chargers every now and then because they live in a place where they can't charge at home. It's evolving. It's a dynamic situation. It's not static. It's certainly not black and white. Um, so I think there's a lot of flexibility in what the future holds. And personally, I believe in American ingenuity and leaving the market to solve the problem. Because I really believe that once charging becomes a very profitable business model, because if you, let's say half the cars on the road are electric, and I have no idea when that'll happen. But theoretically, if half the cars on the road are electric and they all need to be charged, I guarantee you there will be companies that step up to fill that need and make yeah. money off of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, I, I, I don't see how that's impossible. You know, it's going to happen. It's really interesting. My, my brother is a custom home builder and he was telling me about building in this particular town where this, the new homes there, the ones, one he was building, <clears throat> they're required to have solar panels and a charging station in the garage. So to build this new house, you have to have the ability to charge. He must vehicle. be in California. <laughs> he's actually here in Colorado. Um, no I, think it was, Interesting. Yeah, I think it was near Boulder or something like that. But huh. he's like, yeah, you have to put these solar panels in and you need to have a charging station. And I thought, you know, that's going to become more common. And that I think ability to be able to charge it at home is probably going to be maybe short term the most popular um, to be able to do that. And you know, I guess to kind of lead into another question that uh, that a listener had asked us, as I said, is this push for electric vehicles? Is it is it about the environment? Is it about convenience? Is it about maintenance? And I think you know one of the main ones, and I think the way he phrased it to me was, is producing a, a battery for an electric car, does that leave a larger carbon footprint than what my diesel truck does or what you know my SUV does? And I think that's one of the areas, I don't know a lot about it. I know very little. Can you can you chat with us a little bit about that as far as like the environmental impact side? It, you know, is that something that's calculated? Is that something where there's studies and they say, okay, um, you know, this battery is going to last ten years. This is what the emissions output to create this battery is going to be. Now let's compare that to a ten year lifespan of a diesel truck or an SUV or a car. Sure. Um and to, a little caveat, the environmental side of things is certainly not my passion behind EVs. So um, I don't have all of the information memorized. I can't just pull it off the top of my head. There are studies. Uh, a recent one was done by the ICCT, uh, and that's the International Council for Clean Transportation, I believe. Um, they have found, and they are not the only study, I mean, they're the latest that I've come across, that after about a year or two, electric vehicles do have a smaller amount of total emissions um, over the life cycle of the car from considering the, the 
input of making the batteries and all of that all the way through owning the car all the way to the very end um so yeah i mean it's it's the myth that evs are dirtier is that it's a myth that is they are cleaner and better for the environment um for for me i actually and i'm gonna kind of uh, uh pivot slightly it's all about air quality where we live you know i want my kids to breathe the cleanest air possible and i think any parent would say that so in the city where i live i want that air to be as clean as possible i'm one of the few ev folks that doesn't mind if it's charged on coal power because the coal power plant isn't where i live it's you know 10 30 40 50 miles away um now that being said you can you can generate electricity in many many different ways some of them cleaner than others of course and evs are able to take advantage of that where there's only so much that you can do to clean up the air and the exhaust coming out of an internal combustion engine whether it be gas or diesel and they've made many improvements but you're still burning things i wouldn't want to breathe that air you know I'm, i don't know anybody that's going to stick their head down next to an exhaust pipe take a deep breath and go that was great <laughs> you know so it's like I, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, why would we want that generally? Um, there are certainly people that are going to make the argument about climate change and, and the environment and, and the planet as a whole. Um, I'm not going to really get into that. It's just not my thing, <laughs> you know, but um, there are, are, are many studies, you know, people can, can find a lot of stuff. Um, on both sides you know i think a lot of it's been politicized too much you know i wish we could take the politics out of the argument for making a better future it's just uh you have people that are so polarized that nobody wants to listen to each other anymore um yeah. but why not have both you know why not have a future where we we have the things that we love and can can retain that um, you know, if somebody put a, a, I don't know, on just a Ford GT40 in my driveway, um, first, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but you know, it's not that I would be like, oh no, it burns gas. Let me get rid of this car. I'd be like, great. Now let me build a garage around it and enshrine <laughs> that, um, protect that, you know, cause that's I, 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 too many people. I think in the EV community are, are also so gung-ho about getting rid of internal combustion engines uh and, and that bleeds into the politics you know the political yeah. aspect of that where i think it's it's become the the popular thing to hate on the status quo of, of the way things are um not to say that i i don't think we should move always move forward you know the human race tends to always improve things when it comes to technology we don't take step backwards you know we, we don't go to something worse because if it's yeah. worse we don't use it yeah. so you know in, in that way i think evs are the better option for many 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 different use cases all of them no not yet um what i'm worried about is the the governments that are saying you're not allowed to drive a gas or diesel car like uh, london for example they're banning 
gas and diesel vehicles, where if you drive that into London, you're going to have to pay an extra fee just to drive there. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't say that's the right way to handle it, but that is happening. Yeah. Will we see that here in the U.S.? Um, likely in California, just because they sent, tend to to push for that kind of thing. I know Colorado is actually making some some pushes that way too. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But overall, I think there's a part of who we are that makes us American. That, um, you know, we we love our toys. You know, we we love the things that that go fast and sound good. And I don't see that going away. I really don't. Um, now, I don't know where that leaves us, you know, where we have the majority of just transportation for need be electric. Okay, that would be great, honestly. I mean, obviously my opinion's biased on that. I, I love seeing all electric cars. I think everybody should have at least one. Um, but I'm not, one of the guys that I'm going to go out there and be like, well, in order to do that, now you need to get rid of all of this other stuff. Yeah. You know, I will be the first to admit that I've been watching all these videos of the, the drag racing uh, with the Teslas. And I love seeing the numbers they're putting down. It's not as exciting, you know, yeah. uh, it's fun when you're the one in the car, but I don't, I don't, it's, it's not as fun to watch somebody else, drive an electric car down the drag strip like yeah it's not you know and 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 that's sad i wish there was a way to have all the sound and the smell uh with the just insane speed that comes along with it um and be electric and and, and I, I don't know anybody that's figured that out yet yeah it's it's really interesting what you had mentioned there because it feels like a clash of different things and i think at the heart of Whenever I've covered, um, you know, diesel versus electric or electric things or emissions or the EPA or anything like that, we have a lot of passionate people on YouTube, a lot of fans that we have, a lot of, you know, Instagram comments or messages we get because people feel like their, their passion, their excitement is under attack and it's going to be taken away. And I really liked what you said about having, you know, having a conversation about it and taking the politics out of it. And being able to say, is this viable? How do we get there? What role does it fit? You know, and there's that also kind of segments in itself and that we have an urban versus rural, um, you know, kind of split in this country where you know, these guys are idling their trucks for a while. They're using them to charge, you know, equipment that they're running on a construction site. They're in a field, you know, moving equipment around all day where an electric vehicle may not fit that, but would I want to drive a 3500 dually through New York City or try to find parking for it in downtown Denver or LA? Probably not, you know? Yeah. So they each have they each have their place. And I think, you know, I remember late 90s, early 2000s, I got a cell phone. I remember my grandparents go, well, why do you need to carry a phone with you? You have one at home. And I remember, you know, I was around 18 at that time, 19, is you'd, you'd have a landline. You know, the, the first place I ever got, there's landlines. Now, I don't know anyone with a landline. And we all have, you know, cell phones and these little micro computers in our pocket that we carry around that ties in our work, our business, sports, news, everything. And I, that's how I kind of feel about this is, um, you know, I could I could sit back and say, no, I, I, I don't want to learn anything about electric vehicles. I don't want to learn anything about the technology, the processes. But then I kind of feel like my grandparents 20 years ago telling me, I, why did I need to carry a phone in my pocket? 
You know, it's just, that's the way things are going. That's the way that we're moving. So I think being able to understand it and being able to see how it fits together and, you know, like the operating costs you mentioned about, I would love to spend $50 a year to maintain my vehicle. I, I spend vastly more than that. Um, I don't really drive that much, you know, and I might be different than our listening audience. They might be putting 500 miles a week on their truck or a thousand or, you know, some of them even more, but there is that need for those of us where, like I said, I don't want to park a 3,500 dually downtown. It's just, it's not fun. <laughs> sure. Um, well, and, I, and I think there, the electric vehicle market is still very new. Yeah. You know, it's primarily cars and SUVs. You know, I mean, there aren't any electric trucks. And I will tell people the first electric trucks that come out there are going to be great until you go to tow something. Yeah. And then expect your range to be a third of what the EPA rating is. Um, I love the things that they're doing with it in terms of turning them into generators for the work site. You know, like you mentioned the Ford F-150 Lightning. Um, Ford is planning on having a massive amount of power that you can pull out of the battery while you're at the work site. That's not going to be for the people that want to do that and travel a long distance to get to that work site. Yeah. There's compromises that are going to need to be made for people that are in the fringe. You know, they are targeting, like they have said, the majority of the current F-150 owners. Um, so they're they're going to have some cool things, but they're there's always going to be a compromise when your source of energy needs to be split between utilization or, or utility or performance or range you can't have all of it with the the current battery technology that we have these days will that be solved i don't know um and if it doesn't well then we're going to have to get used to a, a different world to live in um but i i don't think gas and diesel is going to disappear i really don't um you know, there's cars out there driving around that are 100 years old, you know, like that I've gone to, to local cars and coffee group and I've seen a Model A or a Model T Ford or some of these old 30s or 40s cars that are just so cool. And I'm like, you know what? They're still here. Yeah. You know, people have found them that love them. That will never go away. Or at least I hope it doesn't, because uh, honestly, I want to see all these cool, you know, <laughs> all these yeah. cool cars and trucks and everything. Um you know, that 2004 Ram uh, that I had, I wish I still had it. And honestly, every single one that I see on the road, I'm always looking at the badge on the side to see if it's the V8 or if it's the diesel. And I'm like, <laughs> if I ever see a diesel one, which obviously they're, they're pretty rare. Um, I mean, I'm always giving them a thumbs up. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something you know special about it. It's been really interesting doing a podcast focused on diesel vehicles because I got into it as an enthusiast and I, I thought they were cool. They were fun to drive. You could do stuff to them. Um, you could modify them. You could use them for towing. You could get great mileage compared to the gas trucks at the, at the time. You could tow a lot with them and things are just changing, you know, so rapidly. And I think back again to that cell phone is the phone I had in 99 or 2000 or 2001 in no way, shape or form compares to the latest iPhone that I have. And there was that process of evolution of, you know, Oh, you can get on the internet with a phone now. Oh, you can have apps on your phone. Oh, the battery lasts most of the day versus having to charge it all the time. Like, you know, there's all these different things with it. And it just feels like we're really early into the electric vehicle 
I guess I could even call it a revolution is there's so many unknown questions, you know, and we, we've touched on some of them and I'm sure we could go for three or four hours, <laughs> you know, just talking about all the different angles of it. But it's been really cool to chat with somebody who's passionate about electric vehicles, but you're also passionate about automotive and about performance and about a different angle than what I'm accustomed to normally listening to. Normally, you know, it's really interesting is if I, somebody says, Hey Patrick, what do you do for a living? And they don't know anything about automotive or anything like that. And I say, Oh, well, I do a, a diesel podcast talking about diesel trucks. They look at me like, really? You talk about those dirty vehicles with the black smoke and they're loud and all these different things. And there's a stigma attached to it. And the same goes the other way. We think of electric vehicles and we think these are people that just want to take away our diesel trucks and want to take away our sound and want us to have to plug in our vehicles and only go 150 miles. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. And that's what's so been so refreshing about this podcast, chatting with you and being able to ask you questions and learn about stuff is to be able to have just some common sense and some middle ground to try to look at the future of what transportation is going to be and how it fits into all of our lifestyles, whether we live in New York City or Chicago or LA or Denver, or, you know, we live in the suburbs or in, you know, out in the country. It's how does this all fit together? So it's been really cool to chat with you, hear your story about it. And I know there's going to be people that listen that say, hey, I want to know more what Zach's doing. I want to you know, learn more about electric vehicles and, and see, you know, listen to his podcast. What are ways that people can connect with you, connect with your page and be able to hear the content that you're producing? Sure. So, I mean, and that ultimately the education side of it was the whole reason that I started EV Resource uh, was to help people find the answers to their questions. So the webpage was the very first and, and still is a place where um, I direct people. It's ev-resource.com. Uh, I've got a podcast section, so you can listen to all the podcasts. Of course, you can also find the EV Resource podcast on the major podcast platforms, also on YouTube. Um, and uh, there's a monthly digital magazine, so you can always email me, which is hello at ev-resource.com and sign up for the monthly magazine. It's digital, so um, it just gets emailed right to you. And uh, that's primarily it. If you're on the East Coast, um, we are putting together a, uh, an event at Dominion Raceway in October. So uh, there's a thing on the webpage about that, but you can also go to electricvehiclefest.com for all the information on that. Cause uh, I'm just, I just want to throw a big party. <laughs> so, you know, get, get some, uh, an excuse for some track time. <laughs> so that that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Well, like I said, Zach, it was a pleasure to chat with you. I appreciate you helping to educate myself and our audience. And I'll have to do another one of these in the future and, and catch up and see what kind of new things are out there in the EV world and and uh, some of the you know technological advances that are happening. That'd be great. I'd like that. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to WCFab.com. Check out what Whirly Custom Fabrication has for your truck. And if you're a shop owner out there looking to be able to sell product, have it on your shelf there at the shop, be able to install in trucks that are, you know, sit, sitting in your bays, go to turn14.com, check out what they have. If you're not signed up with them, give them a call. Or you can sign up right on their website. They make ordering parts, getting them there, getting tracking invoices, everything like that. Super easy. I want to give a shout out to two of our Patreon subscribers rights diesel services and also texas diesel supply we appreciate the support that our patreon supporters give us they allow us to do more invest more into the podcast if you're looking to become one you'll find a link down below to do so there's a lot of exclusive perks that we have where your truck can be our podcast cover for a month you can engage with us 
more directly. You can be a producer of the podcast listed in our show notes. And also you get episodes that aren't heard anywhere else. They're, they're, it's something that we're doing to be able to release them just to Patreon members. So you're not going to hear them on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, YouTube, any of those, any of those places are just for our Patreon subscribers. So we have our guests giving tips like Recently, we had a, a podcast guest tell us three tips for building a truck. Um, there's other ones that we have about suspension or about, um, you know, b- just business things that, that people want to know. A lot of those questions come from Patreon and Discord, but they're, they're, they're shorter podcasts. They're directly to the point. And so if you're looking to hear more content about diesel vehicles, diesel community, that's where you can find it. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.